Welcome to Monday Morning Murder in the News with Alyssa Carroll. Good morning, heathens, and happy Murder in the News Monday that I have been releasing every single Monday morning by some miracle because the rest of the regular news is just hot, scary fucking garbage, and you know you'd rather be hearing me and my bullshit anyway. I collect news articles along with articles sent to me by you, my beloveds, and others. So thank you for submitting. And as I always say, unlike my regular podcast that I write out in its entirety before I record to keep me on task because heaven help us, um, I do not read these articles ahead of time. This is unscripted. So outside of just reading the headline, we are reacting together. Okay, so let's just jump right in. So our first article comes from actionnews5.com. Title reads, Cordova Elementary Schooler to get mental evaluation after writing student's name in, quote, death note. This is coming from Cordova, Tennessee. A Cordova Elementary School student will undergo a mental evaluation after creating a threatening list of classmates' names in a composition book entitled Death Note, according to the police report. Police say the child got the idea from, quote, a horror movie where the devil writes names in a notebook and the individual whose name is in the book dies, a plot likened to that of Death Note, a popular Japanese manga series that was adapted for television and later a film under the same name, which is something I am familiar with. So the movie is rated as not suitable for children under 17. Quote, they have those ratings for a reason, so I am sure if that was a horror movie, it was probably not age-appropriate for someone, especially under the age of 12, the local school psychologist Dr. Karen Streeter said. This kid is how old? It hasn't said yet. According to the police report, the death note had three students' names written inside. It was reportedly shown to other students before a teacher found out and confiscated it. While investigators were looking into the incident, the teacher also informed them that the same student had threatened to bring an AK-47 to the school previously. Yikes! The child was taken to Lakeside in Bartlett to undergo mental evaluations. Dr. Streeter called the news, quote, disturbing. She said, luckily, someone was paying attention to this child and they were able to intervene before tragedy could occur, Dr. Streeter said. She says, every parent needs to remain hypervigilant with what their child watches, reads, and with whom they interact. We're going to see more and more of this, the doctor said. All of us adults have to be there to watch out for our babies, end quote. And I agree with that most wholeheartedly. So then our next article comes from theinsider.com and the title reads, The escaped Pennsylvania inmate was finally taken down after a massive two-week manhunt by a police dog that bit him on the head. You get him, Yuka. So it says the escaped Pennsylvania prison inmate was captured early Wednesday after a massive manhunt. A police dog took the fugitive down and bit the 34-year-old fugitive on the head, authorities said. Cavalcante, is that how it's pronounced? A convicted murderer escaped from the Chester County prison on August 31st. 
The escaped Pennsylvania prison inmate was finally captured early Wednesday. We already saw that. So convicted killer Danilo Cavalcante was taken into police custody in a heavily wooded area in northern Chester County after the escaped prisoner, who was armed with a stolen rifle, tried to crawl through thick underbrush as tactical teams zoned in on him. That's when a team with U.S. Customs and Border Protection released a canine, and the police dog ultimately, quote, this is in quotations, subdued the 34-year-old Cavalcante, Pennsylvania State Police Lieutenant Colonel George Bivens said during a press conference. The canine left him with a scalp wound that was described by Bivens as, quote, minor. After the police dog pinned the fugitive down, law enforcement teams quickly moved in on him. Quote, he continued to resist, but was forcibly taken into custody. No one was hurt during the arrest. Bivens applauded the Border Patrol Tactical Unit dog for its efforts, saying canines play a very important role, not only for tracking, but also for just like a circumstance like this, safely capturing someone. End quote. And then it goes on to say that Cavalcante, who is also wanted in connection to a homicide in his native Brazil, escaped the Chester County prison nearly two weeks ago by crab walking up a wall and climbing over a razor wire. Since his brazen August 31st escape, he's managed to evade the hundreds of police officers as they actively searched for him across a wooded, miles-long perimeter in northern Chester County. Chester County. While on the run, he terrorized local residents as he was spotted more than a dozen times and even shot at by a homeowner. So thermal heat technology from an aircraft overhead allowed police to pick up on a trail on this man at around 1 a.m. on Wednesday morning, authorities said. So weather interrupted the thermal tracking, but authorities picked it back up Wednesday morning. Well, I'm just glad that he was caught. And, I don't know, canines are just awesome. And then to give Florida a little bit of run for its money, we have from People.com, title says, Flesh-eating bacteria after consuming raw oysters at Galveston restaurant. The man fell ill from a bacterial infection after consuming raw oysters at a restaurant on August 29th. A man is dead after contracting a bacterial infection from consuming raw oysters at a local restaurant in Galveston, Texas, public health officials confirmed. The unnamed man, believed to be in his 30s to 40s, fell ill after consuming raw oysters at a restaurant, according to local health authority Dr. Philip Kaiser. So he was admitted to the hospital on September 1st and unfortunately died three days later. Officials have attributed his death to Vibrio vulnificus, vulnificus, a bacteria prevalent in warm coastal waters, which can infect individuals when they consume raw or undercooked shellfish, notably oysters. I have never had oysters, and I just don't think I ever will. Not because of this article, though. I just am not eating solidified snot. Additionally, infection can occur through contact with an open wound. Now, Kaiser noted that the individual had a pre-existing liver condition and was undergoing immunosuppressive drug treatment. So I'm saying that was probably a contributing factor. 
So on September 1st, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issued a health advisory through the Public Health Alert Network to alert the public, laboratories, and public health departments about recent instances of fatal infections encompassing both wound and foodborne infections. Symptoms of the Vibrio vulnificus can include diarrhea, stomach cramps, nausea, vomiting, fever chills, as well as skin-related symptoms like cellulitis, which is a painful red rash on the skin, and blistering lesions. Quote, now, in a healthy person, we can treat that fairly easily, but we have to have what is called a high index of suspicion, meaning you got to think about it. And so... For doctors, if you see someone who's been in the water and they have a rash that is spreading very, very fast, almost where they have blisters, you need to think about this infection and you need to use the appropriate treatment for it. Oh, flesh-eating bacteria in Galveston from the oysters. Fantastic. Our next article comes from NBCNews.com. Title says, Serial Killer and ex-police officer who murdered six dies after decades on death row. Anthony Sully died at the age of 79 on Friday at a medical facility outside the San Quentin Rehabilitation Center, where he had been housed for decades. Anthony Sully sounds familiar, but nothing is really coming to mind, which means I probably haven't covered him. So, coming out of San Quentin, California. A former California police officer turned serial killer who was on death row after being convicted of murdering six people in the 80s has died of natural causes. Anthony Sully, 79, died Friday at a medical facility outside the San Quentin Rehabilitation Center where he had been housed for decades, according to the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. The Marin County Coroner's Office will determine Sully's official cause of death, the department said in a news release. See, I'm looking at a picture of him, and he's, I, he doesn't look super familiar. Sully was sentenced to death in June of 1986 for the slayings of Catherine Barrett, 24, Barbara Cersei, 22, Gloria Jean Fravel, 24, Brendan Oakden, 19, Michael Thomas, 24, and Phyllis Melendez, 20. And side note, if I mispronounce these names, give me some grace, okay? I, it's, it is what it is. So the victims were beaten, stabbed, and shot inside an electrical supply warehouse in the San Francisco Bay Area in 83. Three of the bodies were found stuffed into barrels dumped at Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, the San Jose Mercury News reported. Detectives found his fingerprints on some of the bodies. That does sound familiar. Sully was a Bay Area police officer from 66 to 74. He maintained at his sentencing that he did not get a fair trial, telling the judge, quote, I am not a monster, not a maniac, not subhuman, according to the Mercury News, citing news accounts at the time. Another death row inmate, 71-year-old Ronald L. Sanders, died Tuesday of natural causes at California Medical Facility in Vacaville, Corrections officials said. Now, Vacaville, I think that's where Kemper is housed right now. <sighs> Sanders was sentenced to death in March of 82 for the murder of Janice Dishroon Allen, 29 years old. I haven't heard of him either. But, hey, another serial killer gone. I don't think anyone's crying about it. The next article comes from CBSNews.com. Title reads, 
in quotations, mystery body found in Arizona in 96, identified as veteran from Los Angeles area. The body of a California man has been identified more than 27 years after being found in a northwest Arizona desert area, authorities said Tuesday. Mojave County Sheriff's officials said remains of a man between 30 and 40 years old were discovered near Kingman in January of 96. The remains were found by two men who were running their dogs and looking for rocks, according to DNA Solves. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline you hear that truck driving by? So rude. The man, now identified as Sherman George from the Los Angeles area, died from a gunshot wound to the head, was buried in a shallow grave, and may have been a homicide victim, officials said. I mean, did he shoot himself in the head and then put himself in his own shallow grave and covered himself up? No, I don't fucking think so, right? Pretty sure it's a homicide. Despite investigators' multiple attempts to identify the man, his identity remained a mystery, quote, end quote, according to DNA Solves. That remained the case until February, when sheriff's investigators sent a DNA sample to Othram, a Texas-based forensic research company. Well, I am glad that he has been identified, so now his family can have some kind of closure. Okay, the next one comes from People.com. Title reads, Niece claims arrested podcaster abused them as a teen. Quote, this is a pattern. This is talking about Ruby Frankie. I know how to pronounce the last name now because I've been um, doing my research. I didn't read this article ahead of time, but obviously I recognize the name. So it says parenting podcasters Jody Hildebrandt and Ruby Frankie are charged with six counts of felony child abuse. As parenting podcasters Jody and Ruby await their next hearing on their felony child abuse charges, family members are continuing to speak out about their past experience involving the Utah moms. In a new interview on Monday with local KUTV2 News in Salt Lake City, Hildebrandt's niece, Jessie Hildebrandt, who uses they-them pronouns, claims their aunt who is 54, was abusive while they were in her care as a teenager more than a decade ago. Quote, the things that I experienced while living with Jody, I experienced being tied. I experienced being duct taped. I experienced being blindfolded. I experienced severe isolation, severe emotional, spiritual, and psychological abuse, claims Jesse, who is now an adult. Quote, I experienced being told I shouldn't be around other people, being told that I was dangerous to be around. People were afraid of me to the point where I was afraid of myself. So Jesse recalled that they were isolated for up to 12 hours a day and were once, quote, forced to sleep outside in the snow while under Jody's care. Now, Jesse hasn't spoken with their aunt in roughly 10 years since last seeing her at a family member's wedding. 
Jesse also alleged that Jody, quote, accused me of being a sex addict and of being addicted to masturbation, and that they decided to speak out about their experience after reading a report last week about Frankie's claims of sex abuse within her family. Quote, I've never met Ruby, but the things that she is saying and regurgitating are very, very familiar to me, Jesse said. The philosophies and the therapeutic modalities that she is using are Jody's, and these are not new. This is a pattern. End quote. The two Mormon Parenting Advice podcasters were arrested late last month at Hildebrandt's home in Ivins, Utah, after Frankie's youngest son ran to a neighbor's house asking for help. He was asking for food and water, according to a probable cause affidavit obtained by People. I've heard the 911 call, and if you haven't heard it, Jody Frankie, it's Frank with an E on the end, um, I suggest going to YouTube or wherever and looking that up and listening to it, the 911 call. So the neighbor uh, that the little boy went to, you hear him kind of get choked up on the 911 call. Oh, it's gut-wrenching. Um, the neighbor's emotional 911 call describes the 12-year-old boy as emaciated with visible wounds on his body. So officers from the Santa Clara Public Safety Department arrived and then found Frankie's 10-year-old daughter allegedly in, quote, a similar physical condition of malnourishment inside Hildebrandt's home. The children were taken to the hospital. Child Protective Services then took them, plus two older siblings in their teens, into custody after police arrived at Frankie's home in Springville, Utah. The women made one brief appearance in court last week and have yet to enter pleas after each being charged with six felony counts of child abuse. I don't under, I just, I don't know. I don't understand it at all. And this woman had like a hugely popular like vlog channel on YouTube and made just stupid money. And for what? Because she was abusing her kids. That's just fucked up. Okay, our next article comes from the New York Post, and the title reads, Inside the Twisted Marriage of Tatiana Remley, Equestrian Accused of Murder Plot. So Tatiana Remley, a splashy blonde, that's what it says, splashy blonde, who would not have looked out of place on The Real Housewives of Orange County, walked into the Solana Beach, California Starbucks and turned heads. Among the well-dressed clientele, the 5'11", 125-pound, 43-year-old wore a tank top and sweat shorts. Her companion was a thuggish-looking dude who sported sunglasses, a sideways hat, and baggy shorts. What? Quote, you could tell something was up, a worker there told the Post, revealing new details in a scandal that has shocked and entranced SoCal society and which encompasses claims of elite orgies, guns, and threat taken straight from the Godfather. Quote, she might have been trying to achieve a sexual look, but I would not call her sexy, the worker added. She looked like she was strung out on something. And that was before anyone in the Starbucks knew Remley had arrived to discuss paying her companion $2 million to murder her husband, Mark Remley. They each ordered a mango dragon fruit refresher and headed to a table on the rear patio. After about 10 minutes, the thug went to the restroom 
two cop cars pulled up and four San Diego police officers beelined to the patio. Quote, they rushed back there, had her handcuffed, and started going through her bag, the worker recalled. The officers were efficient and walked her to a cruiser. It took off, but the thuggish guy was still in the bathroom. The worker, slightly panicked by the thug being left behind, went outside to notify the pair of remaining police officers. Quote, one of them told me, don't worry, he's with us. That's all I can tell you, the worker recounted. Quote, then an SUV with blackened windows pulled up and the thuggish guy went into it. He was an undercover cop, end quote. Okay, good. Clears that up because I was like, where are you going? Who wrote this? I'm not going to call their name out because that's just me and I shouldn't have said that. This arrest was the final unraveling in a tumultuous and allegedly violent 12-year marriage between Tatiana, said to be a compulsively sexual Russian bombshell, and her husband, Mark, who had inherited $26 million from his parents. So she was plotting to kill her husband for the money. Who hasn't heard that plot a hundred thousand times? Our next article comes from kens5kens5.com, and the title reads, SAPD searches for man suspected of groping an elderly person. Police are asking if anyone knows the identity of the man to contact SAPD Homicide Unit. This is coming out of San Antonio. San Antonio police are asking for the public's help in identifying a man suspected of assaulting an elderly person, according to their Facebook page Wednesday morning. Police say the man is suspected to have groped an elderly person multiple times, the post said. The man in the photo appears to be wearing greenish medical scrubs. Police are asking if anyone knows the identity of the man to contact SAPD Homicide Unit at 210-207-1366. Oh, that's the whole article? Why would you grope an elderly person? I don't understand that. That's different. Poor woman or man, most likely woman. And then you know I'm not leaving Florida out, right? So the next article comes from the New York Post. The title reads, Florida man arrested for torching car belonging to his cousin, who's also his girlfriend. Yes, friends. Juicy. Okay, so a Florida man was arrested Wednesday for arson after he allegedly torched a car belonging to his girlfriend and cousin, who are one and the same several months ago. Melvin Elaine Centron, 37, was caught on camera lighting his cousin and lover's Jaguar XE sedan on fire in front of a North Miami home on April 29th. Investigators determined the sedan belonged to Centron's girlfriend, but were unable to interview her until Monday, the station reported. She initially said her car caught fire as she drove home because she was afraid of what Centron would do if she told the cops the truth, according to the report. Whenever she spoke to investigators about what happened to her car, her boyfriend made her put the phone on speaker. When she was finally able to speak freely, 
She told officers she fears him because he carries a fully automatic gun with a double drum high capacity magazine on him regularly and even has a nickname for its drums. For its drums. The unnamed woman also told police that her alleged pyromaniac boyfriend, who's also her cousin, stole her purse and left her without a way home on a a Miami shopping center Friday. Centron reportedly got jealous when he thought a bartender was flirting with his cousin and the two got in an argument before he snatched her bag, which contained $1,200 cash, police said. So the police obtained an arrest warrant for him of Hollywood, Florida, Monday and arrested at gunpoint on Wednesday. He has been charged with second-degree arson and third-degree grand theft and is being held in the Turner Guilford Knight Correctional Center on a $12,500 bond, according to Local 10. That shit is disgusting. You should be ashamed of yourself. And our next article comes from NWAHomepage.com. NWA means something completely different to my old ass. And the title reads, 19-year-old sentenced to more than 100 years for NWA murder. Coming out of Benton County, Arkansas. Oh, shit, that's not too terribly far from me. A 19-year-old from Gentry accused of killing a girl and injuring another in a 2021 shooting has been sentenced to over 100 years in prison. Francisco Ochoa, 19, was arrested and charged with capital murder, first-degree unlawful discharge of a firearm from a vehicle, terroristic act, first-degree battery, and two counts of aggravated assault. A probable cause affidavit says that on June 25th, 2021, a Salem Springs Police Department was contacted regarding two gunshot wound victims. The caller stated her daughter's friends had been shot. One of the victims was pronounced dead after being transported to Salem Springs Regional Hospital. The other victim, a 17-year-old, was transported to Washington Regional Medical Center and later released. Ochoa was 17 years old at the time of the shooting. Their trial began on September 11th. He was sentenced to 36,524 days in prison. Why, why do they say it like that? Why don't they just say this many years and months? It's like people going, oh, you have a toddler. It's the most beautiful toddler I've ever seen. How old is it? Ah, oh, it's 26 and three quarter months old. Shut up. And so our final article comes from cbsnews.com. And we have another flesh eating. Well, it's not flesh eating. But anyway, the title says brain eating amoeba kills Arkansas resident who likely got infected at a country club splash pad. Officials said, yeah, see, Mm -mm." because I'm kind of like somewhat of a germaphobe. Uh, Anyway, an Arkansas resident has died after being infected with an extremely rare brain-eating amoeba, and health officials have concluded they were likely exposed to it at a country club's splash pad, authorities announced Thursday. How the hell did it get there and it not be affecting other people? You get what I'm saying? What deposited it there? The Arkansas Department of Health announced the death from the... <laughs> Negleria fowleri infection, <laughs> a rare infection that destroys brain tissue, causing brain swelling and, in certain cases, death. 
The department didn't release details on the age of the person who died. The department said there is no ongoing risk to the public from the exposure. I mean, they caught it, so why wouldn't other people catch it? The department said it concluded that the person who died was likely exposed at the country club of Little Rock's Splash Pad. The department said it sent multiple samples from the country club's pool and splash pad to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The CDC confirmed one splash pad sample had viable Naglaria fowlery. The department said, you know I'm butchering the shit out of that. So how did it get there? That's my question. How in the hell did it get there? Anyway, sorry this one's like, what, about three to four minutes shorter than normal. I'm super tired this evening. I got a lot done this weekend. I had a lot of little projects, little little honeydew list for myself to get done. And I got all of it done except organizing my office, but that's fine. I'll get to it. So it's Monday, and I don't know about you guys, but I have a meeting with my boss this week, and that always stresses me out because even if she... Even if I knew that the meeting was going to be her telling me that I was like a stellar employee and you're doing such a great job, it is just within my nature to always feel like I'm in trouble. And so I just dread these meetings. Oh my God, so much. I think it's on Thursday. I'm not sure. Wish me luck. And I wish all of you luck with your jobs and bosses and meetings and what have you. All of the meetings that could have just been a two sentence email. You feel me? Exactly. So hang in there. We're all in this together. Um, I'm kind of working on things behind the scenes, so possible big things coming up. We also have the Halloween, October Halloween extravaganza coming up next month, um, which if you're new to me, it is just, um, podcasts that are just more fun for the Halloween season. Sometimes people that don't understand that leave shitty comments like, oh, what the fuck is this? Fun? It's fun is what it is. That must be why you're so unhappy. Have a great week, guys. Love you. Bye.